Hi, this is Nathan, and you're listening to a public church podcast. We would love to connect with you on social media at a public church, or you can visit our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. So let's flash back to January of 2020. Feel the hope rising within you? It's not only the beginning of a new year, it's the beginning of a new decade. All right, snap back to reality, hope died, it's gone. Um, And here we are, audience participation. If you're at home, you can raise your hand in the comments. If you're in the room, please raise your hand. You're probably gonna say yes to all three of these. How many of you are a little uh, disappointed with how 2020 has turned out? Raise your hand, okay. Thank you, comments, I trust that you're doing that. How many of you guys, um, let's just say it this way nicely, uh, you faced some adversity in 2020. Anybody faced adversity in 2020? Okay, yes, all of us. If you don't have your hand raised, like, have you slept through the year? Like, we have faced adversity. So welcome to 2020, and welcome to Paul in Acts chapter 17 in Athens, Greece. Paul is one of the premier leaders of the early church. He wrote about half the New Testament. And when he lands in Athens, Greece, he probably feels similar to how we feel today. So so here's the question. The question is, how do we respond when we aren't where we want to be, but where God knew we would be? So how do we respond when we're not where we want to be, but we're exactly where God knew we would be? See, Paul, how did he get to Athens? We started off in Thessalonica, and in Thessalonica, he had a pretty good thing going as he was telling people about Jesus until adversity struck, and his form of adversity was a group of people who literally ran him out of town. Now, here's what I mean by that. His host, he was staying with, they dragged his host out of the house and threw them in jail. That's how bad they wanted Paul. So Paul escaped, he got to Berea. He had a great thing going in Berea until the people from Thessalonica hunted him down in Berea and ran him out of Berea. And so here we see Paul, he's in Athens, he's all alone, he's waiting for his his family, his teammates, for them to come join him, and he's not where he wanted to be, but he's exactly where God knew he would be. And what does Paul do in this moment? He just does what Paul does. He is a witness for God. Jesus. He shares his firsthand experience of Jesus. He invites people to embrace the journey of following Jesus. See, we're landing the plane in our series called Will You Tell Me? This is the finale of it. And this question is posed from the perspective of someone who doesn't follow Jesus. And the question reminds us that if we follow Jesus, Part of our role is to be a witness for Jesus, to open our mouths and literally tell people about Jesus. And that means even when we're not where we wanna be, but we're exactly where God knew we would be. This gives us a purpose in 2020 that we should still be a witness for Jesus. And just to speak to the kids in the room, the middle school and high school students in the room, or those of you who guys are watching, look, this does not have an age limit. The moment you decide to follow Jesus, you step into the role of a witness. And here's the reality. If you're six years old, or if you're in sixth grade, or if you're a junior in high school, who are your friends most likely to listen to talk about Jesus? You. (laughs) You, they're gonna listen to you. So you have a vital role to play in your school, in the places that you spend your time. 
So this applies to all of us. And it applies to all of us no matter how we are designed. At community group after the first week, a great question was posed. How does this series relate to introverts? And I had to ask some people, because if you don't know me, I am not an introvert. (laughs) But as I talked to people, here's what I began to understand, and I love this, that being an introvert, it's not a liability, it's a strength. We should never view the way God has designed us as a liability. He made us that way on purpose, and, and the way we are designed and wired is a strength. And here's the facts. Some of you guys who are introverts, I know you would never respond to this verbally, but hopefully this is resonating inside of you. (laughs) But here's the facts about you. You listen better than I do. And you're able to form deeper relationships often quicker than I because of the way you listen to and value people. I need to learn from you. And this strength helps you be a witness. So no matter our age, no matter our wiring, our personality types, if we follow Jesus, we should be a witness. And that's what Paul does in Acts chapter 17. If you have your digital copy of your Bible or a paper copy, we're gonna be there. And and so what we've done throughout this series, just to catch us up real quick, is we talked about our role. We talked about our message, Jesus crucified and resurrected, the gospel, that is our message. We're gonna see that here. Last week, we talked about our mindset, that we love people even if they never love Jesus. And what we're gonna learn from Paul in Acts chapter 17 is our method, our approach as we step into our spheres of influence to be a witness. Now for our friends that don't follow Jesus, I am so excited that you're here, and this may be one of the favorite talks you've ever heard, not because I'm giving it, but because of how Paul interacts in Acts 17, and there may be points that if you're sitting in your living room, you just want to type in the comments, please, Jesus followers, do this. If you're sitting in this room, you may just want to yell, Jesus followers, please do this, because I think what Paul does, his actions are going to resonate deep within your soul. So Acts chapter 17, we're going to begin in verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens... He was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. So again, Paul is waiting. He's in Athens. He's not where he thought he was gonna be. And what I see from Paul immediately is that he's living out the core value we discussed last week. If you weren't here, we discussed that we strategically engage wherever we are to point people to Jesus, and we strategically engage because we have been strategically placed. I have to believe that even though Paul didn't expect to be in Athens, he trusted that God had him there on purpose. And so he was gonna be a witness. He was gonna engage. And so the question is, will we view 2020 like that? We may not be where we wanted to be or thought we would be. We may not like where we're at, but would we recognize that God knew we would be here and we are here on purpose? And so with that recognition, Paul is, is deeply troubled within his spirit as he looks at all the idols. And so here's what he does. He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and the God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. So, So here's what's happening for Paul. First off, we need to notice that the word reason basically means he's debating, but he's doing it civilly. I think sometimes when we read words like this, and we hear the word debate in 2020, we're like, oh, they're angry, and Paul was like, you're dumb, and let me show you why you're stupid. No, 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 Paul was having conversations with people. And here's what he, where he was doing that at, in the public square. Now, I am nerdy and self-aware of that. And so when I read the word public in the scripture, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. That's our name, public church, in case you didn't realize that. And so I get really excited about that because what he's doing is our vision. 
wherever he's at, whoever comes up to him. He's like, hey, let's talk about Jesus. Do you wanna talk about Jesus? Do you wanna talk about Jesus? Can we have conversations about Jesus? Because I'm just a witness wherever I am. And what is awesome about this is about three centuries prior to Paul being in this marketplace, Socrates was there. Socrates was there having conversations with people, debating with people, having dialogues with people, using his Socratic method. Paul is like in the epicenter of culture. Oh, it's amazing. And it says, verse 18, he also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, pause there for just a moment. So what we need to understand is the Epicureans and the Stoics basically represent two sides of the spectrum. For the Epicureans, they believed that God was far off. The gods were distant, they were far off. So the best way to live was to not get bogged down with the meaningful questions of life. What's our purpose? What happens after we die? Who cares about that stuff? Let's just have fun. Let's just have a good time. None of that other stuff matters. Don't get bogged down. No, let's just have a good time. The Stoics, on the other hand, believed basically that God was everywhere. He was in everything and he was everywhere. And so they were gonna be extremely self-disciplined and basically said, let's make sure that we are unaffected by emotion. And here's what Paul does. No matter where you're at on the spectrum of belief and philosophy, Paul's gonna talk to you about Jesus. He talks to the Jews. He talks to the God-fearing Gentiles. He talks to the Epicureans. He talks to the Stoics. He talks to anybody in the middle who would walk up to him and have a conversation. So Jesus followers, depress us for just a minute. Since last Sunday, especially if you were here, since last Sunday, have you had a conversation with someone who doesn't follow Jesus about Jesus? Since last Sunday, Have you spent any intentional time, not just like passing by, but intentional time with someone who doesn't follow Jesus? Now, I know that we're all over the map on this. Some of you are sitting there saying, man, I'm I'm surrounded by people who don't follow Jesus. I just need community. Nolan talked about community groups and hosting and did a great job. That's why we have that. But for some of us, we're so insulated and removed that we could go a week at a time or maybe even to ask this question, Since the series began, have you had a conversation about Jesus with someone who doesn't follow Jesus? Because for some of us, we could go a whole series and never be like Paul is here in the public square in Athens. Why not? I think we've got to wrestle with that question because when you read the life of Jesus, he's spending time with people who don't yet follow him. Paul is modeling that too. And Paul's gonna show us his method as he does that, if we wrestle with, are we doing that or not? It says then that they responded to him talking about Jesus and the resurrection with, what's this babbler trying to say with these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. The first comment is kind of derogatory. The second one is curious. Okay, well, what's he really talking about? So verse 19, then they took him to the high council of the city Come and tell us about this new teaching, they said. Now, new in ancient times is actually an insult because what was good is the old and the ancient. If there's something new, they're like, we should have heard about it by now if it has any value. So they're not like (laughs) happy about it, but they're like, ah, you got this weird thing going on. And they say that, verse 20, you are saying some rather strange things, but they're curious. We want to know what it's all about. 
Why? Verse 21, it should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. In other words, they would love hanging out at coffee shops. They would flood our coffee shops. They just wanted to sit around, have cups of coffee, and talk about culture and what's going on. I mean, this was the culture, the, the, the context of Athens. And so verse 22, so Paul standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm telling you about. The council is called the Areopagus. This is, I mean, Paul, I'm telling you, he's in the epicenter, like of the epicenter of culture that they discuss the religion and philosophy. I mean, they are the elite of the elite in Athens. And I love the image because Paul's surrounded. Like he's right in the middle of all of this. He's not running from culture. He's not insulating himself from it. And yet he's still speaking the message, Jesus crucified and resurrected, we read about that, but he's right in the middle. He's engaging culture. It reminds me of one of our behavioral values, that I engage culture without compromising Jesus's values. That's what Paul is doing. I love the image of thinking about just the setting where he's at. And we need a little understanding of history to know what Paul's saying. See, he points out the altar to the unknown God because underlying this, is the worldview of what's known as Plato's Academy, at least the worldview at a, at a specific time, at this specific time. The worldview of Plato's Academy at this time in history was this. There's really not enough evidence to know if the gods are real. And there's not enough evidence to know what the gods want from us if they are real. So that's kind of the idea. We, we think God's real, we, we can't really know. And so when Paul looks at the unknown God, he's got a choice. He can tell two different stories. He, he can tell this story. Hey, guys, notice you got this, uh, you know, altar to an unknown God. <laughs> you don't know who this is? Philosophers, religious people, and you haven't figured out who this is? You know what? I bet you're just apathetic. In the way of the academy, you're probably thinking, we can't tell, so let's just throw up this other altar just in case we're wrong. Let's just get on with our lives. It's a story he could have told. Or Paul could have, and he did, tell a benefit of the doubt story. Hey, guys, I notice you've got this altar to the unknown God. Are you still searching for something you haven't found? In the words of Bono, maybe you still haven't found what you're looking for. He assumes that they're seeking truth. He says, hey, so... I respect you guys. The, the word religious there has a positive sense. It's not an insult. It's like, hey, you guys are religious. I'm, I'm impressed. Can, can, can we talk about what you're searching and what you haven't found yet? So our method that Paul reveals for us is our method is that we season every word with respect. The method is this. We season every word with respect. I brought with me some Tony Chachares, you can correct me on pronunciation if you want. Anybody love this stuff? I know a few of you guys, thank you. Anybody else? If you don't, you should go get it. I mean, this stuff is awesome. You can put on eggs, 
Really, anything that you cook, you can put it on it. It is so good. So, so here's what we're gonna do. On the count of three, those of you who are in the room, you're gonna yell out your favorite seasoning. Like it can be burgers, eggs, whatever, your favorite seasoning. If you're watching, type it in the comments on three. Ready? One, two, three. Salt. Salt. <laughs> That's awesome. Anybody love some Dell sauce and a steak? Oh, come on. Montreal seasoning? We could go on and on. Anybody getting hungry and like, if you would stop talking, I could go eat some of these seasonings on like food. I understand. Look, here's the thing. When it comes to seasoning, this isn't about what I'm cooking, but how I'm cooking it. When we talk about our method, we're not talking about the words we use. We know the message. As a witness, we are gonna share our firsthand experience of Jesus. Our message is we are gonna share the gospel. We're gonna tell people about Jesus crucified and resurrected. This is about how we tell people. This is about how we share the gospel. That we are, no matter what we're saying, who we're talking to, we are gonna season every word with respect and let's just be authentic for a moment. Christians don't exactly have the reputation of doing this. If we just step back and evaluate, Christians are typically the people who are derogatory about other worldviews, who are immediately critiquing when someone doesn't believe the way we believe and line up with what we line up with. And we see it in our body language. We see it in the thoughts that trigger in our mind when someone follows a different religion or has a different view. We see it in the snide comments we make to our friends. And the underlying assumption is, all these people that don't follow Jesus, they're just stupid. How in the world could you think like that? Do you have a brain? If you had a brain, clearly you'd follow Jesus. Hmm. Doesn't sound a lot like the way of Jesus, does it? It doesn't sound a lot like Paul in Athens. So we gotta season everywhere with respect. Here's what that means practically. We gotta tell benefit of the doubt stories about people. Brad Stanley, a friend of public church, he says, anytime you meet someone that doesn't follow Jesus and he's done quite a bit of work with internationals and internationally, he says, I assume the person is seeking truth. Wow, that's a benefit of the doubt story. Maybe they are, maybe they're not. But I'm not assuming that they're dumb. Can't believe how they concluded that. No, I'm, I'm gonna assume that this person is seeking truth. Respect means that we're a student of culture. If you read in verses 22 and 23, it says that Paul saw. That word means that he's observed. He's walking around and he's not got his head in the sand, but he's looking and going, okay, I noticed this, I noticed this idol, and he's studying their culture. If we read what he says, it's clear that he has listened to them. And listening means listening, not staying quiet long enough until you finish what you're saying so I can say what I'm saying, but actually listening to understand why someone believes what they believe and maybe even understanding there might be a reason for that. That the reason they believe what they believe is valid. Look, this doesn't mean that we don't believe Jesus is the only way. Respect doesn't mean we water down. Respect doesn't mean that we affirm or agree with everything, but it means we treat people like they are made in the image of God because they are. And so here's how Paul respects the people of Athens. <laughs> he says this in verse 24, this unknown God, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. 
Since he is Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. He's surrounded by idols and he's, look, the God I'm talking about, he made us, we don't make him. He's the creator. He gives life and breath to everything. Verse 26, from one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. And his purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Paul's not watering anything down. He's saying, some of you think God is distant and unattainable. No, God wants to be known and he's accessible. This is who God is. The the image here is basically of my one-year-old Oliver trying to crawl towards a toy or, in his case, food, anything with peanut butter in it, just like desperately trying to get to that food. This is the image, that everything in the universe has a purpose that allows us to crawl our way towards God because he wants to be known by us. He wants to have a relationship with us. And then, here's how we know that Paul was a student of culture, because he references their culture. Verse 28, for in him we live and move and exist. That's from their culture. That's from a poet. And then, as some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. This would be like quoting Drake or Jay-Z or, or anybody else that makes music or that speaks into our culture. This is what he's doing. He's informed. And he said, hey, you guys are searching for something. Can I tell you where you're actually gonna find it? But I respect that you're searching. Ah, so good. 29, since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen for gold or silver or stone. He's saying, look, guys, it's more than just you can see. And know this, he's saying, The way God interacts with us has changed. Verse 30, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. No watering it down. He's saying walk away from your lifestyle of serving idols and follow Jesus. Repent. And here's why. Verse 31, For he has set a day for judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed, and he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. If you're still wondering if respect means we don't share the whole message, know this. The Areopagus, one of their founding principles is that resurrection doesn't happen. Paul is addressing one of their founding principles and saying, hey guys, actually, Jesus rose from the dead. He's not hiding from anything, but he's doing it with respect. Every single word is seasoned with respect. And notice the outcome, verse 32. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. The the message paraphrase says basically they were split. That's what's gonna happen. When we share the gospel with respect, some will go, that is ridiculous, and others will lean in. And verse 33, that ended Paul's discussion with them, but it didn't end the Holy Spirit's work among them. Because when Paul left, the Holy Spirit remained. Because the Holy Spirit goes before us, and look what he does behind Paul. But some joined him and became believers. 
Among them were Dionysius, a member of the council, a woman named Damaris and others with them. Come on, ladies. Love how the story of God elevates women in a society that doesn't do that. And Damaris gets into the story. Man, this is awesome. And Jesus changed lives and eternities as Paul told him about Jesus crucified and resurrected. And every word he spoke was seasoned with respect. Peter, the leader of Jesus' disciples on earth, was a hothead. Peter just spouted off all kinds of things, which makes it even more amazing that Peter would write this, which lines up with Paul's actions here. In 1 Peter 3, he says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be ready to be a witness. And then this hothead who spoke too much, who went off on people, says this, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. In other words, come on guys, let's season everywhere with respect so that as we're telling people about Jesus, we don't give them a reason by disrespect to walk away from Jesus. This matters. And here's the reality, Jesus followers. Respect or disrespect is an overflow of the heart. So we've gotta ask the Holy Spirit to do some work in us so we can treat people like they're actually made in the image of God and we can tell benefit of the doubt stories about them. So we're gonna have to pray. And as we pray, here's the action. Let's give the Holy Spirit an opportunity to move within us. The action is this for all Jesus followers, that you would have a Jesus conversation with someone who doesn't follow Jesus and choose to respect her or him. That you would have a Jesus conversation, like this week. Be intentional about it, just like Paul was intentional in the marketplace, in the public square in Athens. And that in that moment, you would choose to respect. That means our body language. We're leaned in, we're listening. That means when we have that thought in our mind, that's like, oh, they're so dumb, that we go, Holy Spirit, forgive me. Change me, Holy Spirit. I can't do this on my own. Let me love like Jesus loves me. That we do that. And then for those of you guys who don't follow Jesus, there's really two opportunities for you guys as public worship comes on up. The invitation number one is, do you wanna follow Jesus? This is a powerful story. And anytime the word of God is read, lives are changed. God is here among us and he is moving. And so maybe today you're like, I am ready to surrender to Jesus. If that's you, we'll have some people out in the lobby or you can come find me afterwards. We would love to have a conversation with you. If you're watching, you can text 423-665-9317 so that we can talk about what it means to surrender to Jesus. And then the other invitation is that you would actually have a conversation with a Jesus follower who respects you. If you're one of our friends who doesn't follow Jesus, you would find a Jesus follower who respects you and discuss your questions with him or her. Because someone who doesn't really respect you, that they're not gonna help you. They actually may end up pushing you farther away from Jesus. But there are Jesus followers out there who are gonna listen, tell benefit out stories, and who would love to help you explore Jesus. So what if we did this? And we're gonna sing two songs that are prayers to God. 
And before you stand, I just want you to reflect and think about what if we walked into our public squares, just like Paul walked into Athens, and what if we seasoned every word with respect? So when you're ready, stand and sing. Sing these prayers that the Holy Spirit would change us from the inside out. But let's wrestle with that. Because here's what happened when Paul did it. Lives and eternities changed in the same Holy Spirit that was moving in and through Paul as the Holy Spirit that is moving in and through us.